प्रकाश भैया मिस्टर प्रकाश शेषाद्री सर फॉर अ वेरी शॉर्ट इंट्रोडक्शन ऑफ मिस्टर शेषाद्री सर इज अ स्ट्रेटेजिक थिंकर एंड अ टर्न अराउंड स्पेशलिस्ट प्रकाश शेषाद्री इज ऑल्सो द फाउंडर एंड सीईओ ऑफ इंडिया लीडिंग कंसल्टिंग हाउस सी चेंज कंसल्टिंग एंड अ हार्टफुलनेस प्रैक्टिशनर फॉर क्लोज टू थ्री डिकेट्स continuing to serve millions across the globe in reaching their cherished goals he has close to four decades of corporate business and leadership experience he has authored 12 books till date and continues to help people from various walks of life to reach their cherished life goals he is the regional facilitator for heartfulness institute tamilnadu and is the secretary to honorable reverend daji the president of heartfulness institute we are overwhelmed to have you here with us and Thank it's you. a pleasure to have you with us today uh, to the audience would like to inform you all the audience that uh, bhaiya is having a very busy schedule prakash sir is having a very busy schedule and uh, just on our invitation he just uh, made out some time from his schedule and he is with us so i am very thankful to you sir thank you thank you very much uh, over to you over to you okay we are slightly ahead of schedule but still it's fine it's really wonderful to virtually meet uh, so many people i hear uh, that there are a lot of people from various walks of life who are here in this show and of course uh, it's being streamed live uh, and uh, it's also available for viewing at a later point of time i just wanted to start with a very simple Uh, story <clears throat> the story is something like this there is a very busy uh, office executive who is just getting ready to go to his office for some series of important work that he has to accomplish that day time is about 8 o'clock in the morning he gets a dressed and picks up one of his best coat and dress because he has some series of meetings that he has to attend and uh, he is about to leave and uh, his wife and he has a very lovely son who is about 7 years old his wife is about to give him uh, coffee as he is leaving for office and some of the coffee spills and falls on him and it spoils that brand new nice white shirt and uh, partly the coat that he is uh, wearing to go to this important meeting and he blows his top and in the process because of this uh, shouting and uh, whatever is happening between the father and mother the child who is about to run to board the school bus misses the bus completely and now the wife picks up a fight saying that you picked up a wrong time to shout and uh, the child has uh, missed the school bus now you go and drop him so the executive is now forced to pick up uh, the child and run on the wrong direction of his office he has to go the other side to drop the uh, son in the school and by the time he reaches the school it's already late it's beyond the time in which the children are going to be allowed so he is made to stay back uh, at the door and after the prayers are over he meets uh, the school uh, class teacher and uh, sort of apologizes leaves his kid and drives like crazy back to his office and in the process he gets two traffic chalons 
by the time he reaches his office, it's already 45 minutes late. And the first meeting was supposed to be one of the most important meetings, which will decide a very big order that he was discussing, a contract that he was discussing with one of his clients. The client had apparently reached the office in time. He waited for about half an hour. He lost his patience and he had already left the office, leaving a message that uh, I was here for you, you were not there. And his executive's uh, boss sort of uh, tells him that we lost a precious order because of you. And one leads to another, his mode uh, goes for a six. And by the time the day ends, he's in one of the most awful moods uh, that you can imagine. Emotionally drained, drowned. And he comes back home and in a fit of anger again throws tantrums uh, with his wife. Throws the dress and shoes and stuff like that. Just a very simple question for you to ponder here. Who caused all this? Was it the cup of coffee that was spilt on him? Was it the child who did not go and take the school bus despite their parents fighting? The bus was right outside his home. He could have gone. Was it the wife who spilled the coffee on him? Was it the executive who did not control his temper? This is a classical case study for emotional intelligence I share across several leadership sessions. And invariably, interestingly, there are uh, several answers which comes up. But if you really deep dive and uh, understand, it was just not uh, the executive alone who lost his temper. It was also the wife who could have played a part in calming him down maybe given him a dress and said that I could have gone to school. All these ifs and buts is what happens when we lose our emotions. I could have done this, I could have done that, stuff like that. So what does this one single case study actually in some way teach us? In some way actually it teaches us that uh, whatever happens to us, normally we call it in uh, EQ as 10 bar 90 rule. A 10 bar 90 rule is like 10% is what happens to you on which you have no control. But how you react to that creates the rest of the 90% of the consequences of the 10% input, the trigger. When you look at the triggers, the spilling of the coffee or the traffic chalons or the teacher uh, telling the student to wait outside because it was late. All these are triggers which, which comes from outside. Normally we call them as uh, stimulus or stimuli. The world is always full of uh, challenges or opportunities, depends on how you see it. But what you do with them is what is called as uh, the entire study behind the concept that we are into emotional quotient or emotional intelligence. We all have heard about IQ for sure. We have the intelligence quotient, which is based on certain series of tests which are given. And based on the score that you have, you are measured as a idiot or a moron or an average or an intelligent person, and if your score, I think it hits 150 or above, 
there is something called as a Mensa club. The Mensa club consists of people who have super IQs. But in my career spanning about 40 years, I met several brilliant people. Brilliant, you just cannot imagine. People who have done things, thought things which is unimaginable. But when you look at the other side of the life, what we call as EQ, they are extremely poor. I remember a few of my colleagues with whom I have worked. The kind of brilliance that they had is something unimaginable. They could just look at a problem, technical problems. I began my career in computer field. And I worked in an organization which is also manufacturing a lot of newer and newer products and services. And these people were really cutting edge in terms of their ability to churn out new products. But one of these uh, senior colleague of mine who was uh, handling the R&D used to be such a hot-headed person. He doesn't need a trigger to abuse anyone. He will shout, he will rave and rant. And uh, because he was almost indispensable, for many years people kept quiet. But at some point of time, when I subsequently met him, when he had literally lost the job and gone down the drain, despite his brilliance, it took him a lot of hard hits before he understood that emotions and the emotional quotient or emotional intelligence is an equally important element to balance the IQ. You might have great knowledge. There is a famous quotation that I would love to share with the people here. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Let me repeat that for you to get the context. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. There are uh, great scientists, people who can write stuff which might take uh, eons of time for others to understand. For example, the Einstein's theory of relativity. During his lifetime, hardly five people had understood it. That's what he said. Even now, I don't think many people still understand what uh, he has said. At least I don't fully understand. But when we connect to people, do we connect to people because of their knowledge? That immediate subjective knowledge might bring a sense of awe in us for that person. But when you get closer to the person, if there is the human side which is unpredictable, nasty, abusive, we don't want to continue a relationship with them. All those who are close to your heart today have done something to make you feel comfortable in their presence. They have done something to care for you. At least, if not uh, practically, at least they gave you a, words, a few words of comfort to make you feel comfortable that, yes, I care for you. I'm here. I understand your problem. When I do coaching sessions for large corporates, one of the standard uh, challenge which comes across from people who report to the directors or CEOs or chairmen of organizations, the only thing they say that if only my boss knows how to listen, my boss just doesn't listen. It is said that uh, I read this study many years back. 
many of the interpersonal issues either in family or at workplace tend to get resolved if just one person is just ready to listen listening is like allowing someone to let the steam off a pressure cooker many times listening by itself creates solutions which sheer mental intellectual arguments do not provide that is the power of a person who cares who just doesn't knows things i might know how to launch a rocket i might know how to spin the earth faster or slower i might know the best of tricks in the world but if i don't know how to keep relationships intact i was reading recently reading a book very interesting book that i am still reading it's a japanese book it is based on a philosophy that all the world problems finally boil down to interpersonal problems it might look to be a petty work issue it might look to be a petty understanding issue in a classroom for a student it might look to be an issue between a father and a mother or a spouse but finally it is our inability to understand accept the other person's point of view they may be right they may be wrong but they want to be listened to for that we have to be ready to open up and for that you have to understand the power of emotional quotient or emotional intelligence the coffee cup story that i shared with you which was the beginning of this uh, conversation it's a classical case of two three people refusing to see the other person's point of view or not able to listen if you look at a very simple concept what is an emotion emotion is nothing but energy in motion as they say we are all bundle of energies we all go through a series of ups and downs in our life in our day to day life and these ups and downs causes us lot of mood swings these mood swings can be right from ecstasy to extreme sorrow or pain or anger and because of what is happening inside of me how i react to the external world keeps changing from time to time we always say that a good leader who has a balanced eq not just iq emotional quotient his behavior becomes predictable when do i feel comfortable talking to someone despite whatever challenge he is going if i am going to speak to my boss or my spouse or to my anybody else and i have to gauge many times i have seen in corporate offices before people enter the boss's room they ask the secretary how is boss's mood is he okay and how should it matter i am working for you i have something to discuss when i come to your room we are discussing an issue but his emotions and these are not people who are lower end people i am talking about people with 20 30 years of work experience who my coach they themselves don't know nobody holds a mirror to their face and say that hey boss 
there are times your face actually is scary and ugly to look, not in terms of physical ugliness, but uh, your emotional ugliness. When you are unpredictable, I am spending half the time. It's like a judo match. I don't know when I'm going to be hit. I have to be on my toes all the time. Emotional swings are much worse than judo matches. I have to continuously gauge when I go back home, how is my spouse's mood going to be? How is my daughter's mood going to be? How is my neighbor's mood going to be? And in these cases, in these times at least, I even have to gauge what is my dog's mood going to be. That's really funny because uh, even dogs seem to have moods. And uh, when you go home, my spouse would say, no, no, you know, or, you know, Jimmy, Tommy, whatever, he's angry, he's sad. It is said that uh, dogs apparently have between 30 to 40 moods that they display to their owners. In this afternoon, surprisingly, I was having a conversation with someone and he was saying that uh, even dogs have emotions and having a dog adds to more uh, challenges than actually solving. Many people have dogs for companionship. In fact, I read a recent uh, a humorous uh, short joke that dogs will be out of business if only humans knew how to support each other emotionally. We pick up dogs as pets, dogs, cats, whatever, because they seem to at least have a one-way traffic. In the sense, I can throw any tantrum to my dog, it will still keep going because I'm its boss and it knows so. It won't happen with my child or my spouse or my neighbor. They'll throw me out. So they say the dogs and cats and pets will be out of business. And surprisingly, whether they know it or not, it's a multi-billion dollar industry pan world. Maintaining pets, veterinarians, the pet shops, the pet curing clinics, the stuff that they give for the pets to be happy. I have one of my neighbor who spends about 25,000 rupees on his dog per month. I doubt if he even spends so much time on himself. There is so much that is happening. If I go back to the definition what I gave you, EQ comes from fundamental ability to manage your emotions. And that, as I mentioned, you know, emotion is nothing but an energy in motion. Let me go back. Uh, I don't know if you really can hear the noise I'm going to make. In case I scratch my nails and the noise that it makes or scratch a metal crown onto a floor, that the noise that you hear, would you find it very pleasant or would you be upset with that? 100 out of 100 people who I have asked, they have said that, uh, Prakash, please stop it. It's very upsetting. Just a metal scratching on a stone creating that uh, scratching noise puts off people. And there is a very deep-rooted science on how it connects back to EQ. It apparently triggers something which is very strange, which people who are familiar will know as, uh, it's called as amygdala hijack. Amygdala is considered to be part of the primordial brain 50,000, 100,000 years ago, when we were not the hunters, we were the hunted man or our forefathers of the Stone Age were living in caves where they were the prey. <clears throat> there were bigger preys who were chasing them all the time. And the noise which I simulate of a metal crown being scratched on a 
stony surface produces the same sound that is embedded in our DNA for thousands of years of a predator chasing us. And that triggers what is known as the flow of blood into our amygdala. The primordial brain on top of which our cortex and neocortex and uh, hippocampus and everything else has grown, has grown subsequently. It is said that uh, earlier the human, literally it was like a stem which the, with the, the primordial brain used to stop and the tip was considered to be the amygdala, which even today when you really get angry, you will find that uh, there is a very serious blood flow somewhere at the back of your head. You will feel it. When you get angry, when you are upset or when your life is in danger, you will find that there is a blood flow and actually you will see that your face turns pale or reddish. That is a signal to the primordial brain to generate two kind of reactions, what we call as fight or flight. When we find a predator chasing us, even when we are asleep, we have to survive, otherwise we will be dead. It is said that during the Stone Age time, the man's uh, average uh, longevity of living was about 24 to 25 years. Nowadays, 70 to 75 years is quite normal. And none of them died because of any disease. They were all killed by predators. We were prey to someone else. And hence, like for example, when you are sleeping today in the morning, when you get up, you see a small blood strain on your arm. You know that even when you are asleep, you have killed a mosquito which is biting you and sucking your blood. And that exactly is the role of amygdala. The amygdala controls the blood flow. And in that instant, we don't have time to process something using our logical brain. The blood flows automatically to what is known as the survival portion of our neural system. And that trigger causes series of actions. After the blood subsides, after the act of prevention, when I say fight or flight, when the blood flows, when the blood flows to the brain, the primordial brain, the primordial brain in less than a few microseconds assesses if the person or the object which is attacking you is superior to you or inferior to you. And if it is superior to you, the blood flows to your legs, which is a sign for you that you have to run from the situation. That's what is called as flight. But if that portion of your limbic brain tells you that uh, you are superior to the object which is chasing you, the blood flows to your arms, limbs, which means you can raise your arm and go and hit the object to kill it, protect yourself. And all this happens in a few microseconds or split second. And that happens because nature, as part of the evolution or what Darwin's theory would say, it, it gave us a choice of evolving into what we need for us to survive as a species. We have to survive. And for that, this primordial brain's role was important. But subsequently, over the last 5-10,000 years, man has moved down from the caves 
and he has come to the plains. He learned agriculture, he became more civilized. He has an official family, he, he has children, grandchildren, he built, knew how to build a home. But despite all this, we still believe and work and react as if we are still in the Stone Age. For example, this coffee spilling story with which I started, the coffee spills on you. The moment coffee spills on you, in less than a few nanoseconds, your primordial brain, which is called as the amygdala, A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A, do a Google on that, it's a very powerful subject. It tells you quickly that if coffee, coffee has been spilt on you, you might land up going to your office with a stained dress. People may not like, you may lose the contract and if you continue to lose these contracts you may lose your job and you'll be on the street and without even knowing the primordial brain now acts or reacts to the situation fight or flight in this case the wife appears to be an object with which the man believes he can attack so he fights if it was the same thing the coffee was spilled by his boss on him what would he have done? He would have done what is called as a flight, which means he will know the boss is superior to him. He can't fight with his boss. So he'll do what is known as flight because now the blood will flow to the legs. Even in your life, when you are facing any situation, quickly just for a second pause and find where the blood is flowing. It's a classical self-study we can do any number of times in any situation. If the blood is going to my hand, it shows I am superior. School bullies, children, they all know when to hit and when to run, instinctively. When they know that they have somebody who is a better bully than them, they'll run. And if they find someone who is weaker than them, the blood will go into the hand, which means they'll attack. This, unfortunately, let me give you another uh, small uh, <clears throat> example for you to relate to that. Let's say that you are sitting in the seventh floor of an office space in your AC room, facing the road. Anyone entering the office will have to cross several layers of security before they can come to your home. Let us say that you are quietly immersed in your work. Just visualize this for a minute. That's a huge roar of a line right next to your ear. What will you do? You'll jump out of your chair. You'll run away. What has happened? Logical brain, if you had used it, will tell you that for a line to come to a concrete jungle in a city, get into a lift, come to the sound floor, Enter the security register, take a pass, come to your room, crossing your security or whoever, and then to make that roar is non-existent logic. It's not going to happen. Yet what happened is you instantly reacted because that roar reminded you of a DNA imprint in you which says that your life is a threat. That at least is understandable. Our day-to-day -day situations, what happens is, 
unfortunately, we are struck in this survival mode throughout our life. Everything that happens to us, somebody shouts at me, in less than a fraction of a second, I mentally assess without even my conscious knowledge. It happens at your primordial brain level. You quickly assess, is this person much more stronger than me? Fighting him, would it put my job or my life at stake in jeopardy? Or can I shout back at him? This is what happens in corporate rooms or in classrooms or in families. Whoever gets into a fight leads to a series of fights where they react and counter-react and the chain continues. Every step of the life, if you really look, it is about a series of survival issues we are fighting. And emotional intelligence is what strikes at the root of this malady to tell you that life is no more about survival. Let's look at it logically. Even for a I mean, very simple exercise, I was sharing this a couple of days back in another corporate session. For example, you're driving back home and you find a very big branded shirt being sold and you liked it. You step out of your car, park, go and buy that flashy stuff, which cost you quite a few thousands. You liked it, you bought it. As you are walking out of the shop and you board, get into your car and drive home, what is the thought running in your head? You are now thinking of how to tell your wife or your spouse why you bought this shirt. You are logically looking at justifying your action. This is a catchphrase which all global marketing companies use. This is a scientifically proven concept that whatever I'm going to say is going to be very impactful. You may have to make a mental note of it. People decide emotionally and then justify logically. This is a universal truth, literally. Exceptions are there, but very few. People decide emotionally and then justify logically. Because every situation is seen as a survival situation. For example, my subordinate disobeys me right in front of a few of other colleagues who are also my subordinates. What do I do as a boss? The normal tendency is I shout back, I issue him a memo or fire him or shout back at him or throw him out of the job. Why? Because if I allow my subordinate to shout, my primordial brain or lack of emotional intelligence processes it in such a way that by allowing him to shout, I am losing my authority over him. By repeatedly allowing someone to not obey my orders is questioning the fundamental basis of my existence in this job and hence this organization. If you extrapolate whatever happens, if you want to master emotional intelligence, it is said that you have to master death itself. Because the entire emotional intelligence or our reaction to any situation of fight or flight is based on a very simple core fundamental concept called as fear of death. Let's extrapolate a bit. Okay, my subordinate shouts at me. I allow it to pass. What will happen? He'll shout at me again. A few more people will shout. They will not perform. What will happen? I will not be seen as a performer. 
if i am not seen as a performer consistently my salary is maybe downgraded my job may be downgraded at some point of time i will be put on the street at some point of time i lose my job i won't have money to protect my family after that finally i will die anyway whoever is watching this program is there anyone who is watching the program who is 5 10000 years old doubtful i don't think so at least not in a physical form which means that all of us have a fixed life term 80 90 100 120 years whatever it may be if we properly live the 6 by 3 is always waiting for us why fret all the in between stuff is what emotional intelligence tells you and for this to understand there are several mental models which are available one of the famous models has been pioneered by one of the champions of emotional intelligence called as daniel goleman i don't know if the previous speakers has, uh, have uh, touched on this there is another model which is available home grown which is also in our own ashtanga yoga both these models are available for you to use for you to master slowly your emotions because emotions is like nuclear power much worse than that in fact nuclear power can be used for both positive and negative purpose likewise emotions can be used for positive as well as negative let's ask a question is emotional power bigger than nuclear power or nuclear power is bigger than emotional power go back to 1944 the first week of august i think it was roosevelt or eisenhower who ordered the first atomic bomb to be human trialed in two places in japan called hiroshima and nagasaki did the bomb fall on its own somebody ordered the nuclear war to be started right which means the decision was taken by eisenhower or roosevelt who was the president of usa then which was triggered by some emotion which was based on the world war 2 that if he allows japan to continue their march hmm. they would have defeated usa in the war that fear of losing the war made him to do one of the most nastiest things that can ever be imagined of throwing a nuclear bomb at another Uh, human uh, another nation and it took 3 4 generations so obviously emotional power is much more stronger if you don't know how to regulate your emotions i mean i always jokingly say getting angry is like drinking a cup of poison but expecting the other person to die people who get angry it's like i drink poison but i want you to die it doesn't happen likewise when you hold emotions specifically the negative ones it hurts you more because you suffer in the longer run the person whom you are shouting at might leave you and go and he will live peacefully happily ever after but you are going to carry that i have seen uh, generations of uh, families being affected by it one wrong word spoken one wrong action interpreted wrongly one action interpreted wrongly and there is a flurry of emotions being thrown at each other all of us have gone through this where we have been at the receiving end or the giving end in our life we have either been shouted at or we have been shouted somebody has got angry on us we have got angry on somebody else 
we have been upset with someone, someone has been upset with us. All these are led to a series of actions. And as Newton's third law of motion would say, every action will have consequences, counteractions, and series of reactions on which you have no control. The 10 bar 90 rule, which I mentioned at the beginning, 10% of what happens to you is out of your control. But 90% of what happens after that purely depends on your emotional intelligence. Logic has absolutely no, no role to play. In fact, if you look at what I mentioned five minutes back, the great marketing companies of the world work on what is known as impulse buying. They all work. If you have ever walked into a departmental store, the billing counter will have lovely, fanciful, small items stored there. While you are waiting to buy, uh, pay the bill, which takes about three, four minutes, you impulsively pick up that uh, snack bar or that bottle of cool drink or that nice spray perfume. And before you realize your bill has shot up by 25-30%, it was never on your buying list originally. In fact, if you know the marketing truth, that counter space is charged 5-10% to 10 more for people who want to vend their products. Because that is an impulse buying spot. Man falling in love with a woman, women proposing to a man. They are all impulse decisions. How many of us who have had a love marriage can say that I went through it logically and then decided no. It's a flurry of emotions. You may justify it and make the best out of it later. That's up to you. And hence, Daniel Goldman's uh, five-step process, I'll quickly share that and then leave it open to the forum to ask questions. How long more do I have uh, to continue? I mean, five yeah, you may, Yeah, you may please continue. Because I can go on, but I have to look at the clock or the calendar. No, <laughs> no, no, sure, sir. You're welcome for everything. So if you look at uh, this, again, is an emotional reaction. <laughs> what my host did. <laughs> The, I mean, the moment I put an emotional question, he emotionally reacted. So, no, no, you can go ahead. Because that instant, I might feel bad. And, you know, that's, that's again, a classical fight or flight response. I'm just joking. If you look at the Daniel Goldman's model, he looks at what is known as uh, two set of competencies that we must have. One is called as the personal competencies. The other are called social competencies. Personal competencies is the space where I am responsible for my emotions. If I am not responsible, I am likely to use the way the first nuke was dropped on Hiroshima Nagasaki. I may drop my emotional bombs on everybody else around me. It's all the time people spraying a AK-47 emotional bullet on everybody else around all the time. We all keep seeing it. Some of us have tuned it down, even with whatever exposure, experience I have. I can't say that uh, 10 out of 10 times I don't react. Maybe I have earlier it used to be, I used to react 10 out of 10. I brought it down maybe now to 0.5 or 1 out of 10. I haven't made it zero. It's, it's, it's almost humanly impossible. There are certain extreme emotions where you still succumb. But at least... He speaks about two competencies, two buckets of competencies. One is called as personal competencies, the other are called as social competencies. In the space of personal competencies, the first thing that he says is that uh, be self-aware. Normally, this is done as a process of feedback. After something has happened, we can always go and ask somebody. People who are close to us might come and tell us, in these situations, 
Prakash, you tend to react, you tend to get angry. In these situations, you are sad. In these situations, you feel traumatized. In these situations, you are happy. I'll tell you why it makes a difference. Because there are about a range of 40, 50 emotions we all go through. For each one, it's about 8 to 10 emotions. And that, if you Google it, you will be able to find. It's about 8 to 10 emotions that we all have in us, which uh, we need to master. 7 out of 10 emotions are negative. About 2 3 emotions are positive. If you find the combination of both, then this becomes a positive nuclear force with which you can build a huge amount of success in your life in whatever you do. As I mentioned about 20 minutes ago, that the world's only problem is lack of interpersonal skills. If you manage interpersonal skills, there is nothing in this world that we cannot manage. It is said that a person whose interpersonal skill or emotional intelligence is good, when he says something, people will even give their life to do what they are saying. They jokingly used to say that uh, if a person who is emotionally strong, emotionally well-balanced, tells you to commit suicide, you will look forward to doing it. Because you trust that person so much. You have, he has built so much of trust because he shows that he cares, because he, one, understands himself. This self-awareness is about asking yourself or taking feedback from others to find what are the triggers which make you to react either positively or negatively. In about two to three months time max, if you take consistent feedbacks, you see all of us have about 10, 15, 20 people are close to us. A few people who work me, with me in office room, one or two who are my bosses, my spouse, my family members, my couple of my relatives, my well-wishers. I can draw a list of 10, 15, 20 people. If you take this input seriously, you can even start it today. Just ask them one question. Please tell me what are the times when I am drained emotionally, when I am angry, when I am sad, or when I am traumatized. There are standard checklists available on the net as well. You can search and find. And request their honest, open uh, feedback. Many people happily give you feedback. And also ask them what are the times when I actually feel very joyful. What makes me... So for some people, good food makes them feel good and you know, joyful. For some people, having good vibration of people around them makes joyful. For some people, if they are successful in achieving something, it makes them joyful. It secretes what are called as happy hormones. It's a separate subject by itself. If you are able to find it out, that is the first step of self-awareness you cross. Okay, I have gone through self-awareness. What do I do then? Personal competencies, uh, what is said in EQ model is now I learn to channelize. As I mentioned, energy in motion becomes emotion, which means like any other energy, emotional energy also needs to be channelized. For example, when someone pushes me hard and I get angry, the emotion which runs immediately is to shout back at that person. It's an energy. But instead, I can ask, okay, he has made me angry. How do I channelize to make that anger to work for me in a positive way? We always say this uh, in many EQ sessions I share with people. When people throw bricks at you, either you can be hurt by it or you can step aside, collect the bricks and build your own home free of cost. Choice is yours. Likewise, when someone makes you angry, 
okay i get angry because he has pointed out at some inadequacy in me i am not competent hey boss you are a idiot you didn't do this okay i may be an idiot may not be an idiot but he is throwing a situation at me which makes me to think that okay i am not competent now what do i have to process is self regulation it's like when you look at the sluice gates in the dam there will be multiple sluice gates and the water will be stored in the dam what and the water is channelized to send it through to the required side where the paddy fields have to be irrigated this is the concept of a basic dam likewise our energy if you learn okay i quickly find out okay boss i know i am getting angry this is the reason okay i have already got feedbacks okay what am i going to do now i am going to channelize it to make myself better it takes a little bit of time but over a period of 3 4 months you can get a little bit of a hang of the self regulation after all i am talking to you right now a few people watching including my compere there may be lot of emotions which is running in their head or heart but they are not displaying all that openly because at least in a public forum we have learned how to regulate and present a smiling face or an acceptable face we know already how to do it likewise in self regulation there is a famous quote called as uh, fake it till you make it initially fake it for a period of time it's like actors playing a role when it appears on the screen we know they are acting yet we get hooked on to how they are acting it's not that a person acting as a hero is actually going through it in his life he is just mouthing a script and acting based on what a director tells him so likewise fake it even when you are getting angry calm it down there are ways in which you can calm down one is to introduce pause second is to drink a glass of water third is to go for a walk there are hundreds of tips available if you able to do by the time the blood which runs to your primordial brain normally lasts about 30 seconds to 2 minutes normally when the blood slows down now your logical brain will take over and that half a minute to 2 minutes is what is essential for you to hold your negative reactions by the time the blood slows down your primordial fight or flight approach goes off the radar then you can start thinking logically okay boss you call me an idiot i understand i appreciate your feedback would you mind telling me what is that i can do to make me look like a normal person so if you look at that then you move to what is known as regulating and then move to what is called as uh, self motivation and then when you express this as a social competency it becomes expressed externally as empathy and finally your social and interpersonal skills i would maybe pause here because daniel goldman's work of social competencies and personal competencies are available for you to read on the net and maybe we can now leave it open for us to have a quick chat and few set of questions uh, thank you very much sir uh, we are open for the questions from the audience if you have any questions uh, to ask mr prakash sir you are welcome with your questions by the time sir i am having a few questions which are prepared by the team to we asked to you the first question which we are having is tell us about some time when you got emotionally weak due to any reason whether it may be positive or negative and how you overcome and deal that situation normally it is said that each every each and every human being goes through about 20 to 30 emotional patches every day 
at least thanks to a system of meditation that I practice, what we call as heartfulness meditation, I have learned two things. One, to do what is called as uh, spot cleaning. It's like if you're eating in a restaurant and a sauce falls on your shirt, you don't wait till the next day to clean it. You just go to the restroom and use some water or a soap and clean it off. Likewise, whenever I find emotional challenges, I quickly, uh, normally, close my eyes and sit and see if I can clean off the impact of that reaction which is coming out. And when I do that, I immediately am able to get back to normalcy and then my logical brain takes over. The second is when I also do a couple of minutes of meditation, whether you want to do heartfulness meditation or mindful meditation or any kind of meditation that you have. Meditation is when you connect to a higher power and wait for guidance in one way or another. It helps you to calm your nerves. Finally, it's all about managing that rush of blood. It can be as simple as sometimes, uh, many times I have followed this technique with great success. At least my close friends and family members know. When I get angry, which I do, I don't want to dismiss that, that I don't get angry. I am a human. All I do is I shut my mouth. My wife at least for sure knows that uh, when I'm not speaking, she knows that I am calming down. Uh, they say that even dogs at home understand that language. When you are not speaking, it knows that boss is, and then it looks down and put its puppy eyes and start looking at you lovingly. So one thing I learned is to shut up and uh, stitch my mouth for a few minutes. By the time things slow down a bit and I get my normal senses back. Thank you, sir. Sir, uh, as you are a CEO of a very renowned company, so how you manage the materialistic and spiritual life of yours? Because you must be having a very busy schedule. So how you manage both these things? What I learned one thing is, uh, there's a famous quote which I keep sharing throughout, which you might have read as well. Life is what happens to you while you are busy planning for it. You're planning something and uh, something is happening. For example, you are going on a holiday somewhere, planning, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll go there. And on there you have a flat tire. It's out of your control. So if you really look at it, uh, efforts is something that I have complete control. The emotional intelligence always says that how you react or respond to a situation is completely in your control. What others do is their domain. So when it comes to my material life and spiritual life, I take a holistic view that I can give the best of my efforts. For example, you might want to hit a six in an IPL match and the person does some kind of a gymnastic. You have seen some, some of these fabulous catches they take on the edge of the what appears to be a six. I saw two days ago a match. The fielder just plucked it out of thin air and uh, that six became a wicket. What else can you do? I can't say that I will not hit a six because by hitting a six, the ball might be caught. I have to go for it. Efforts are in your hand. And of course, every time the efforts don't go as you plan, just find out what is it that message is coming to you and do a course correction. This is something I find to be useful, at least from my personal life. Sir, as you just mentioned about a process of cleaning. So uh, when you uh, just have uh, had a has to neutralize a stressful situation, in a professional environment, do you go with that process only or is there anything else you continue with? Other than that process, sometimes, you see, there are, uh, whenever there is a stress happening, there are two parties to it. The person who has created the stress, the person who is the receiver of the stress. 
either I have created it on somebody else or somebody else has created it on me. Normally, I always uh, uh, take myself down a few notches, whoever that person may be. He may be my subordinate, he may be my client, he may be my supplier, he may be anybody else in my social life, Heartfulness Institute or whatever that I'm working with. I take myself a few notches down and ask them, have I done something wrong? Can you just tell me where have I gone wrong? Can I change myself? Normally, people have seen us startled when you don't react. People expect you to react because that's the normal norm. When you don't react and then sit with them quietly and then ask them, have I done something wrong? Can you tell me where have I gone wrong? In corporate life, we always say that it is the performance for which you give a feedback, not for the person. But unfortunately, we confuse it and then give feedback for the person, but not for the performance. And hence, what happens is we lose uh, the wood uh, for the trees, as they say. So what is best, I have always seen, is uh, surrender to the process. Who is the aggressor? Ask them. I mean, they are not out there to kill me for sure. It's not a war front. There is a situation and they are upset with my output or how I have behaved. I am sorry. Sorry and thanks are two very powerful words. But of course, don't interchange and use them. <laughs> when someone shouts, don't say thanks. And when you have to say thanks, don't say sorry. When someone shouts, I am sorry. I think my behavior has created some kind of a, a rift. Would you mind telling me? I, I don't instantly say it. I give a pause. And it has worked wonders for me. Uh, sir, one more question from my end. As you are uh, a secretary to the Global Guide of Heartfulness Institute, and sometimes it happens that few people want to visit uh, Reverend Daji, and you have to deny them due to some reasons that he is not available or he is not well. So what happens? People just start blaming the concerned person that you are not allowing us to meet him or you are not allowing us to meet the concerned person. So what in that situation, how you deal with that? Because uh, the reason is not that you are denying them on their, on your own. See, normally in any, <clears throat> if you know how to listen to people, you don't, see, normally even when you, you, you might have seen in several people's life, when you want to break a bad news, you don't go jump into that person and straight away say this is the bad news. You sort of talk to them, slow them down and bring certain good memories. Hey, I remember last time you met Daji, this is what happened. How did it go? How are these things? And then slowly come to it. Slowly come to it. People normally understand. Nine out of 10 people understand. And we always create a hope. See, we all live perennially with the hope that something better is going to happen. We give them a sense of hope. Maybe Daji is not well today. Maybe you prefer to meet you the next day. Yes, some people understand. But as I mentioned earlier, when you surrender to the process that the person who has come to meet, they don't see you as a stumbling block between him and the master or the guru. It's better that you make it as softer as possible. Daji always says, you know, be kind in your words. People will understand and reciprocate automatically. This is something I've always seen it works. Couple of times it doesn't. You have to take it in your stride. Right. Thank you very much, sir. It was pleasure to have you with us, Mr. Prakash, sir, on 
this second national virtual conference on EQ, emotional question, uh, heartful, a concept for heartful neuro leadership. So basically, uh, firstly, would like to inform all our delegates who have joined us for this conference. We have got repeated questions that why such a topic we have kept. And uh, the term heartful, I just got inspired from heartfulness meditation. And then I just named this session as heartful neuro leadership. So basically, how can we reach with our hearts? How can we reach with our minds? That is more important as all our guest speakers for today have told in their talks. Uh, for this, would like to also inform you that we have a surprise gift for all our delegates who have registered with us. We'll be providing the soft copy of a book, The Glory of Indian Civilization, in the words of Swami Vivekanand, which has been donated by an NGO to Dharkan to be given to all our registered participants. So we'll be sharing the soft copy of that book. The glory of Indian civilization, in the words of Swami Vivekanand, in the emails that you will be receiving after tomorrow with your certificates. Apart from that, if you have any doubts, queries to any of our guest speakers, you may please feel free to contact us. We'll be providing you their contact details by their kind consent so that you can talk to them and interact with them personally. Apart from that, one more notice is that we are inviting our delegates to a session of heartfulness, relaxation and meditation. To witness that session, you are all invited at Kana Shantivanam, a place full of greenery, a place full of lot many things you can experience there. Kana Shantivanam is a place located in Hyderabad and is a wonderful place to live your real life, to have more experiences in your life and to see how emotionally strong you can. So I invite you all for that as well. We'll also be sharing the details, exact details for uh, visiting Kana with all our delegates as well in our mail that you will be receiving. Apart from that, if anybody of you is having any sort of questions with us, you are most welcome for that. I don't find any questions are heading with us. For the same, uh, to visit Kana Shantivanam, the dates are September 27th to 29th, 2022. So if you are interested, you may please uh, share your request to visit Kana uh, in the mailbox or the chat box of Dhargan Foundation. Thank you for today's session. Thank you all the delegates for joining us. I am very thankful to Prakash sir and all our uh, dignitaries who joined us, our guest speakers, Mr. Vivek very Katre thankful. sir, Mr. Kaushalyan Pratap Singh sir and Mr. Prakash Beya. Uh, I am very thankful to you sir especially because uh, I know your schedule and I understand that how difficult it must would have been that uh, for you to join us. Thank you very Thank much you. sir. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to Dutkin Foundation also for enabling this. Whatever we can, we have, we have to make the world a better place. And to that extent, whatever we can contribute in whichever way is always welcome. This is what Daji.